hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey listeners, uh, I'm bringing you another bonus episode because of what is going on in the nation regarding protesting and activism. I've seen a stark fall off on Black Lives Matter, on people just deciding that they don't need to say or do anything to continue to support the movement. And I've also seen that there are tensions rising and some really scary things happening happening in this nation, in particular in Portland. So I have my eye on it. Um, I'm very overwhelmed by it. I'm very terrified by it. And I feel like it's worth noting that regardless, these are tensions right now and we have to do our best as allies and activists to combat this peacefully. However, people are being beaten for protesting. It's very scary. Portland is seen as a test drive city from Trump, and it's not it's not good. I don't I don't like the way this is looking. However, the message is still the same. If black lives do not matter, then neither do all. And because of that, I am releasing this episode with my friend Rachel Mercer, who I actually met through my local Facebook group. And she is also an activist just like me. And while she and I are not attending protests, we are constantly trying to educate, uplift, amplify, and continue to get justice for the oppressed and you know, make sure that black lives do matter. Um, so I'm going to share this episode just because of what's going on. I think it's relevant and, um, I hope you enjoy it and I hope that you reach out to Rachel. Um, she's amazing. She's a badass, and I'm really excited to share this episode. So this is going to talk about imposter syndrome, just like always, but just given the times and all of that, I just think it's really important right now to keep an eye on what's going on in the nation. So thanks guys. Hey, how's it going? Hi, how are you? I am good. Uh, it has been so hot, and it's funny because you live literally like a mile from me, so you know it. <laughs> yes, yes I do, girl. It is blazing out there. <laughs> well, for everyone listening, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome, and the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is a community member of mine, a neighbor, someone that I haven't met yet, but she's lovely anyway, my friend Rachel Mercer. Rachel, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful. It is an absolute pleasure to get to talk to you today. I've been listening to your podcast for a, a couple, three, four weeks now, and I am really enjoying it. I am so impressed with your guests. It's just, it's really, really enlightening, and I've been enjoying it a lot. Ah, thank you. Well, I, I always appreciate, like, hearing, you know, good words, kind words about it, but um, I definitely am excited to share your story, as everyone's got a voice, especially as it refers to imposter syndrome. So why don't you give your elevator pitch, your 30,000 overview? Or, or, excuse me, 30,000 foot overview of who you are, what you do, etc. All right. So my name is Rachel Mercer. I am 36 years old. 
I was born in Gretna, Louisiana on the naval base there. Um, my dad was a 24-year uh, Navy vet. He served in Vietnam when he was just 18 years old. Um, from there, we actually moved back to my parents' home state in Texas. Um, and that's where I grew up, essentially. Um, I consider myself to be a Texan. Um, but I do have a very, very special place in my heart for California. I moved here when I was about 15. Uh, my parents were separated and my dad decided that he really wanted to get back to the water. Um, so he, he was going to San Diego and I was in a space where I wanted to explore the world. So I was like, yeah, let's go. I'm down, let's go. And um, I was able to fulfill so much of what I really needed to see at that time um, because this California was just this great melting pot. And I moved away from California uh, at about 21 years old and I went back to Texas and I started a family and I had my daughter Rowan, she's 13. Um, and I lived there for a few years, and eventually I met um, my partner now. Um, he was actually from San Diego, and he was living in San Antonio, Texas at the time. And so it was like a little bit of destiny. And we actually ended up, uh, we got the opportunity to come back here and tattoo. Um, so, uh, which is what his profession is. He's a professional tattoo artist. And um, we got back here to San Diego and we moved back to the Lemon Grove La Mesa area, which is um, basically uh, where I had grown up, you know, when I had lived here before and gone to high school. Yeah, that's awesome. A, <laughs> oh, sorry. Really, oh, that's okay. It's a really, really special place in my heart. And basically it's led me to some recent endeavors in activism, volunteering, and Essentially, that's how you and I met, because we had some rioting in our little bitty town here, and I really appreciated your thoughts on what was going on. Yeah, yeah, and I apologize for being like, yes, Lavesa Lemon Grove. Um, I'm very proud to live here. Um, I'm excited to have you on here. I love your story. I think it's amazing, and um, I'm very proud of the community that my husband and I were fortunate enough to purchase a home in. Um, Lemon Grove and La Mesa are very, like you said, diverse. Um, East County, San, uh, San Diego is, it's, you know, it gets a lot of flack, but I would say that it's also um, some of the most unique and kindest people I've ever met are over here. Ever since yes. I've been living in Lemon Grove, um, I, so there's a lady that she works at Albertson Starbucks, her name's Sarah. And when we were looking to purchase a home, Sarah had said, oh, like, you know, I've lived here 17 years. Like, let me tell you about the area. And Honestly, like that was something that really encouraged us that like this was the right place for us because we've never, my husband is from Orange County. I'm from Colorado mostly. Um, and I've never really felt like I've lived in a place where I've known my neighbors and we've owned our house for just shy, just a little bit under a year. Um, so we closed in September. And um, in this last year, I've felt this sense of camaraderie because there's this Facebook group called Lemon Grove Neighborhood Watch as well as some Lemon Grove community groups and stuff. Um, and uh, I think what really made me feel like I was connected to our community was when this pandemic hit, everyone in those groups was saying like, I 
I'm, I'm, a, I'm unemployed or I don't have any money coming in or I'm low income. However, I want to give back. So um, I will drive you if you're older or I'll go to get you groceries or I have a free library, but I'm putting like, you know, you know, some tampons and food in there and, and I won't judge you if you take it, if you need it. And just that kind of level of, I'll give you a cup of sugar. Like I've never really experienced that even, even being born and raised in for, for 10 years in Minnesota. So I feel like this is a very special area. It's full of really good people. And despite what's going on politically and the climate and the movement, which kind of almost nearly burned La Mesa to the ground, there's been a lot of beautiful stuff that's come from it. Um, and for me personally, it was how you and I connected. It was nice to feel like I wasn't alone in my activism, even though I couldn't go protest. Um, I, it was nice to know that there was another person, even, you know, we're both white women, um, in our thirties that felt the same way I did. And suddenly I didn't feel like I was just one person on an Island. Wow. Wow. That's, that's really powerful because I got that same feeling too. And you actually gave me something that I didn't exactly know I was looking for. Um, just to be able to like throw those thoughts at you throughout the day has become like a, a sense of um, a real sense of comfort. So I, I totally share in that sentiment. Yeah, absolutely. And like, we don't mean to, but sometimes we'll see a person on a gr the groups that we're in and we're like, oh my God, did you see so-and-so and like <laughs> her stupid thought process? And, oh my gosh, she closed the comments to moderation. Like, is this the person that's manning this group? Like, what is this? Um, but then there's other times where like, I don't, there was a couple of weeks um, in the Lemon Grove group where just everyone was angry during the pandemic. And I know that everyone's still angry during the pandemic because we're at this point where Governor Newsom, we're both in California, she and I are literally a stone throws away from one another. Um, and uh, Governor Newsom just shut down everything indoors again because they rushed open to the city, which was stupid um, because economy and whatever. And so San Diego County, you know, we're, we're pretty laid back as a county and, and for the most part, San Diegans are very great people, but wow, <laughs> is this just <laughs> the worst? Like when we started to, you know, lean back on the restrictions, people went out in troves to Pacific beach. And if that doesn't say something like it says a lot. And so we somehow hobbled through being open and slowly reopening and opening in phases, but it felt like it was going so quickly. Mm -hmm. And so Rachel and I have both been pretty strictly quarantining um, for different reasons. Um, I've been doing it because my husband's under strict Navy restriction and also like, what else am I going to do? Um, you know, I, like there's not anything else you can really do. So I've just been kind of following along and doing my part to flatten the curve. And it's a bummer because Rachel's partner works in tattoos and one of my best friends also works in tattoos. And I actually happened to be at a zoo socially distant outside with her yesterday when I got the news that from Rachel she'd messaged me and was like Governor Newsom shutting down everything again so imagine all of those tattoo appointments that have been backed up for three months and you have to keep rescheduling have to keep rescheduling have to keep keep rescheduling and now my friend and then also your partner has to do that again and it sucks because that was a guaranteed flow of income and a lot of tattoo artists they'd gone on to unemployment because they work for themselves, they finally got through that system. And then when it reopened, they stopped collecting. And so now they have to go through the process of reigniting it again, because there's no guarantee on when it will reopen. Yeah, and it's a real nightmare too, because not to mention the, because of the, the climate and the sense of, of fear concerning the coronavirus, um, many, many appointments will just cancel. 
And yeah. so just and suddenly because they decided, you know, someone close to them bought it and they're like, it becomes real for them then. Yeah. And yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, and so, you know, of course, everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs to work. Everybody does need to, you know, protect themselves however they see fit. Um, and tattooing is, of course, very, very cleanly. And they have very, very specific guidelines that they follow. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, of course. And it's up to, it's, it's up to the person to decide. Um, but what I mean to say is that it has just been a nightmare altogether for tattooers. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what's funny is that like, it, there's worse places to be because in general, before this all even happened, the most sterile place you can be even more sterile than hair salons is a tattoo shop. <laughs> so right, that was, right. that's, that's what's so crazy is that like the most sterile place you can be is this one thing. <laughs> and, um, but even so, um, I worry about the safety of the artists and stuff. And that was something that my friend and I were talking about something you and I've been talking about, but to right. go back to the entire point, like that you had made is that a lot of the time with this COVID stuff the reason why people don't they think 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 it's a hoax or don't think it's real is because they haven't experienced it firsthand and so what i've really appreciated is my friends in the community that have worked on the front lines every so often i'll see a post that reminds me this is why i'm doing it this is why i'm doing it this is why i'm doing it yeah, um yes. because i think if you haven't had it affect you yet you don't really know what's going on and uh yeah i mean it's insidious <laughs> it's it's awful it's been a very weird year and you and i before we clicked record we're talking about how we both kind of felt like in the last week, like, is it a full moon? Like, I don't know why I'm feeling sad and depressed. Like, we don't really have any reason to feel that way. Your kids had been right. like straight angels for the last couple of months. And now like it's getting to them. And it's just, if I don't know if it's just, it's being summer and we're equating it to different times or we're seeing things pop up in our Facebook memories, but I'm feeling this general sense of like malaise, dread, anxiety, frustration, and also, like, I can't cool down because it's so damn hot. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just complete and total burnout at this point. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like, where am I supposed to source the hope from today when the news is literally like a nightmare film? Oh, every yeah. Day? yeah. And you can't turn it off. No. You can't turn it off. You can't no. stop trying to get more information because you just want to find something that makes sense. Yeah. But usually it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, at the date of recording this, you and I actually just experienced something on the news. Um, so at the date of recording it, this, this is uh, Tuesday, July 14th, 2020. And on uh, July, like two days ago, um, the USS BHR, which is um, a, a ship that actually is a sister ship to my husband's, lit on fire in the harbor, in the yards. And you and I were kind of glued to our phones all day, like refreshing, 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 getting as much information as we could and misinformation and looking at the things. And, and, um, and that kind of has how the pandemic has felt to me because I just feel like it's like I refresh and I refresh and I refresh, especially with the BLM and all of that. Like I wanted more information. I wanted more information. I want more information. But then it's like, is it, is, am I just doing this because I'm, sitting on my couch or, um, right. You know, is it serving right. me anymore? And I think like, there's a level of like absorption that I'm doing from the media right now. That's like not serving me. And so like, I definitely like need a break, but, um, obviously like that 
the the BHR being on fire impacted both you and I um, in different ways. Like your your dad was a vet, um, and then right. for me, my husband's on the accompanying ship. So um, not that one that was on fire, but a similar one that looks the same. And um, I have a lot of friends on that ship as well. But thankfully, they're all safe, and hopefully, we're not going to burn to the fuel line. But we will see because I have no idea anymore. <laughs> Well, I was highly, highly impressed with the resiliency that was shown from the from the sailors. Yeah. Um, you know, you were kind of giving me some information, and I was really rallying in that to hear that they were so, so adamant about not letting her go, and that they were just bringing in every single resource that they could to try to make sure that they could keep her um, in as good as good a shape as possible. It was Absolutely. very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a level of unity in the mission and all of that, that I think like if you've never been in the military or you've never had any, any kind of contact, like whether it be a family member, a friend, a loved one um, that has been in it, uh, there's just this, I, I guess it would be like harder to relate, but um, you know, it's one of those things that like, it's, it's one of those things from the outside looking in, you're like, it doesn't make any sense, but to someone that's been married to, you know, a sailor for three years, it makes total sense. Like my husband would have been right there and I know it. And that's just because the mission and loyalty and unity to your squadron, like that is very important. So yeah, um, I am, it's, it's weird because I think if I like hadn't been living in San Diego and this had happened, it would have been, it would have been different, but people have this tendency to, um, they're like, Oh no, fire, San Diego, husband, military, must call Bianca. And I was like, no, it's not his ship. Um, it's not his ship, it's not his ship, he's on a different one. And it's funny because you tell people like, he's on the ship, this is the name of the ship, over and over and over and over again. And even, even the sailor themselves will tell the, their family, their friends, everything. And when a tragedy like this strikes, um, it's amazing who forgets the names. <laughs> oh man. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, I had like a canned text like ready to go. I was like copy paste, like no, here's what I know. Um, we're good. Everyone I know there is good. But anyway, I like went wildly off topic. So um, the topic at hand is of course imposter syndrome. Um, and uh, the only reason why Rachel and I have been like gabbing about like recent events and like activism and all those stuff is because like that's pretty much what she and I talk about on a daily basis. Um, so and it's just kind of swirling on our heads given the time and she and I are equally sharing our frustrations of just not being able to do shit right now. <laughs> so we just sit with our awesome thoughts. Um, so we'll just pop into the <laughs> elephant in the room, which is um, imposter syndrome. And so uh, I always love a uh, asking this question and getting the answer. Um, resoundingly, it's always the same answer. So we'll start with the first answer, the first question, which is, do you feel like you have it all figured out? Um, absolutely not, of course. <laughs> I, I don't know anyone who does, um, so I can't imagine why I would ever feel like that. Um, I think it's very important to, to notate that um, it's a marathon and not a race. Um, there is no like contests of life <laughs> to be reached and we should just rally in all of our accomplishments. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's like really good advice. Um, I always have the saying that if I like met someone that felt like they had everything figured out, I'd be very wary of them. Or I feel like that would be a very boring life because I think like life is your goalposts constantly moving, not even from an achievement perspective, but just like you're, 
wants and your needs and your desires are going to change from your 20s to your 30s to your 40s, et cetera. And what you saw for yourself five years ago might be different from what five, five, you know, now it being five years later or whatever that might be. So I like that. And I think like um, having the, you know, kindness and humility for yourself to just like be like, it's okay if I don't have it figured out, I'm just on a journey and I'm, I know I'll make it work. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, imposter syndrome affects everyone in a different way. Um, so I'm just going to ask the question, do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you? So uh, before you and I met, um, I, am, I was quite surprised, but I actually did not, I had never heard the term imposter syndrome. Um, and so I uh, just enjoyed, you know, chatting with you. So I decided to get onto the podcast, give it a listen. And uh, I was very, I found myself very familiar with the topic at hand. And I uh, decided that I, in fact, suffer from imposter syndrome. Um, I can't think of a way that it has not affected me in any major aspect of my life at this point. Um, I think the most prevalent place that I have seen it is in my professional life. Um, and the way that it applied to me is because I decided to follow a path of uh, becoming a automotive service advisor, service writer, sometimes it's called. Um, and basically what that job entails is becoming the liaison between the mechanic and the customer. Um, very often the mechanic has no want to speak to customers. Um, so there needs to be someone, you know, running a mediation between them and also someone that has the skills that can sell the appropriate repairs that they need. Um, so very obviously, this is a male-dominated uh, profession. I found the way that imposter syndrome affected me the most was every time I started working in a new shop, obviously full of dudes. I'm probably one of maybe two girls. Um, they would sit me down when I would arrive and they would tell me that it was my responsibility to report if any of the guys in the shop are being inappropriate. Mm. And as you can imagine, my thought is, are you kidding me? Shouldn't you be out in your shop saying, hey guys, don't, don't be disrespectful to the girl that works here? <laughs> and unfortunately at the time, I was not as, not as evolved as I am now. And I would be the first one to say, no, no, don't worry about it. I'm not even, you know, I'm not worried about that. You know, I can chat with the guys. And the reason that I would stoop myself to that was because I knew how I got my education was bringing the mechanics beer and having them teach me. Mm -hmm. And I, if I can't be around for that, I got to be around for the guide chat too, right? Yeah. So 
I knew that I would be almost, I felt at the time I would be proving, it would be proving, you know, a disservice to, to my education because I didn't want to say, hey, that's not appropriate or don't, don't point that, you know, that joke towards me just because I'm the one sitting here with this body. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that so, makes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, that is the way that I feel that it relates to me most directly. Yeah. So on that topic, I mean, that's a great point. Um, you know, like not being able to, you're, you know, you're, you are so worried with your imposter syndrome and, and the, fe- the fear of failure and all of that and being found out that if you were to speak up and say, that makes me wildly uncomfortable, dude. Like you, why, you wouldn't even say that to your own mother. Why would you say that to me? Like, because then they would rip away the magical carrot of like being able to teach you. But even so, I'm going to take it a step further, even back where you didn't feel confident enough in your abilities that you couldn't just know it yourself. You had to learn from them and stoop yourself to a point where you couldn't believe in the things, you know, believe in yourself enough to like not need that handout, so to speak. So you had to like put yourself on hold and be less than and be spoken to in a disrespectful way just to feel like you could have a seat at the table. And that is the biggest issue um, with imposter syndrome is that 99% of the time we are putting ourselves in this role and this thing that we don't necessarily agree with just so that we can have the thing that we think we need to prove everyone else around us that we are worthy of what we have. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And what I, what I ended up learning was that I could just Google it and get a really, really proper YouTube video and just pull up the schematics on my own and teach myself. And that was, that was a disservice that I did to myself. And, and I, I accept that, um, but you know, lesson learned. So <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's amazing. I mean, technology is so amazing. I say like, I always tell people all the time, I'm like, man, I would be so afraid to be a kid today, but also I wouldn't because like technology <laughs> is incredibly amazing. Um, nowadays, I mean, gosh, when I like was in high school and I mean, like all that YouTube is just like there, like the internet connection was like so shitty that YouTube couldn't even be a thing. And <laughs> now it's like, these people are like making money off of it. And I was like, dang, I was born in the wrong time. Um, but <laughs> even so, like I have a friend that I've actually interviewed on the podcast, Sarah Marie. And she, when she became a librarian, she'd ask the kids like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're like, YouTube star. <laughs> and she's like, Oh. oh, okay. Like, <laughs> like it's no longer like actor or actress. It's like whoever is on YouTube. And I have friends that are parents being like, I don't get it. Like my kid just wants to watch like people around the world unboxing things. Like they have their own toys, but they want to watch someone else opening toys. And so YouTube is like amazing in so many ways. Cause there's always a video for whatever you need to learn, but it's also like <laughs> terrible in so many ways. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. We've had to check our kids on, on it so many yeah. times. Now they have YouTube kids, so you can really, oh, really channel it. Yeah. Good, good. Well, not good. Yeah. That, that sucks. That sucks that we had to make that, but I mean, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> here we are, 2020. <laughs> so to go back to like imposter syndrome, um, something that you and I had been talking about that I'll bring up is that um, the feeling of being an imposter within our own activism. So you and I are very loud. 
as people. I will say that confidently. Um, we're loud. We have loud opinions. They can be very polarizing at times for people. They can ruffle a lot of feathers, especially since you are Southern born. So you come from a fairly close-minded, conservative political climate. Um, Let's and, just go ahead and yeah. say extremely. Let's yes. just retract your fairly, ma'am. <laughs> I was being nice. Um, I know, yeah. and I love you for that. And that's the Texas thing to do. You know, our mom always said, if you can't say anything nice, say it behind their back. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the moment I read, the moment I, my, I had a friend, I'm no longer friends with her, but she's from Mississippi. And she's like, if someone says, bless your heart, like they're speaking oh, yeah, an asshole to your face. And I was like, oh God. I was like, oh, like, every time someone said, bless your heart, like just flashed before my eyes. And I was like, dang, I've been well, yeah, because my whole life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You thought they were being nice to you, but they were not. And, and if you want to know why I'm loud, that's why I'm loud is because you know, being from Texas is there's a lot that gets instilled in you very, very deeply that can give you quite, quite a loud opinion, I believe. Yeah. And I actually, so I, from, for me, like, and me being uh, more loud and woke, so to speak, I went to a very conservative call. So first of all, Colorado is not very diverse. I'm like, we love a good protest. I'll tell you what, uh -huh. like, we do not have <laughs> a very large black community. It's pretty small, I would say. I could count on my hand the amount of black students that were in my high school, uh, college, probably the same. Um, but overall, um, I would tell my, you know, like I just, I've, I've never felt race, like racism or felt racist towards anyone. Uh, if anything, I felt like what I was saying was um, not educated in terms of like when the originally when the stuff in Michigan had happened a couple of years back, I recalled myself saying like all lives matter, like I don't understand it and thinking that that was the right thing to say. And so when this came to be this most recent time and the movement started up again, I was like, no, I'm going to take this time and figure it out. So shout out to my friend Aticia, who taught me some amazing things, gave me some incredible resources, even spoke on my podcast. However, she shouldn't have had to do that. So I am grateful to it and I'm glad that she helped awaken a sense of me and, a, and, a, and I'm just constantly reading and educating myself now about how to be a better friend, a better ally, a better community yeah. member. So, but, but even so, like that goes back to the point of feeling of imposter syndrome and activism as a white female. So like there's, I'm constantly looking over my shoulder and over my back being like, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Am I choosing the right side of this argument? Um, but also too, even so like, it's okay to be an activist or feel the way you're feeling and be loud about it. And that is something that like, I've had to teach myself that like, if I'm loud and I'm upsetting people, then I'm doing, I'm making them uncomfortable. And that is what the movement's trying to do is to, to shock you into discomfort. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could not agree more. As white people, we should be very uncomfortable right now. And people have to just address that. And they have to address the fragility and they have to just get over it. They have to get over their ego. They have to just stand down for a moment and, and, and give empathy where empathy is due. And we do it for everything else. I'm not sure why there's a debate about doing it for Black Lives Matter. Uh, <laughs> Because when kids have cancer, we sure rally about it and, and everything else. It's, it's just, um, it's really, really brought up so, so much in me. It's just stirred me awake for some reason.
Um, I really have been focusing on it pretty, pretty firmly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think like there's a, something to be said about like the um, climate of everything right now, because I think people, um, you know, so many people have lost their jobs. I'm included in that. Um, but even so, like I've had so much time to like go to therapy, work on myself, get diagnosed with adult ADHD, like mm. the puppy, like, you know, just like just doing things that are positive, like learn how to do crafts and like all this, you know, stupid crap. But then also it's, uh, I'm, I'm taking this time to read more, educate myself, you know, figure out how to stop like weird behaviors with therapy. Like these things I'm doing are a positive. So I, you know, if you have the time to be able to like learn the right thing or learn, learn a way to be better, a better human for all humans, then why wouldn't you do it? And so that's my approach on it. And I've just told myself that like, as long as I'm being the best person I can be in this situation, then I'm doing my job. And as, and if I can, you know, now that I'm awake, I'm continuing to educate others, then I'm doing an even better job because I'm spreading the message and continuing it. Yeah, and I think it's important to bring up how how people's perception of virtue signaling mm -hmm. affects your your own imposter syndrome because you get this idea like I have people messaging me and saying things like aren't all the people on your feed woke? Like why do you have to keep why do you have to keep talking about this? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I hate to break it to you, but there's people on my feed that I'm showing solidarity to. There's people on my feed that this may be the only positive thing that they see today. I don't know. You know, that is important to me. And I don't think people give that enough weight. Yeah, absolutely. And I also feel like, um, just because it's not in the media anymore as loud as it was for a month yes. and people are moved yes. on to other things and we're, you know, the media is changing the way we're talking about things. Doesn't mean that it's not happening anymore. It's still happening. Um, there's such a thing as media blocking, which is when uh, something starts to ramp up, they will then find stories that kind of um, play into that. And so um, unfortunately the media blocking for Black Lives Matter isn't going on anymore, but for me, it's still going on. Um, right. So I think like that is something for my listeners to take away from this is that just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Um, and just because we're not televising protests anymore doesn't mean that they're not happening. And just because you posted a black square on your Instagram story doesn't mean that you, it doesn't mean that your job is done. So Right. It's going to be a lifelong journey for some people. Yeah, for sure. For, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And you and I could like talk until we're blue in the face regarding it. Um, oh, yes. But to go yes, back to imposter syndrome, um, there's this uh, deeply ingrained kind of feeling of success and then also like being able to accept, accept our achievements um, and feel successful. So do you feel successful and what does success look like to you? So I think that I have defined success in many different ways throughout my lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's much, much different for me now being in my mid-30s than it was at 25. Um, so if you were to ask me now what I was wildly, what I felt really successful um, about would be, um, I, so I have three children. I have a 13-year-old, and then I have a three, a three almost four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Um, and I had just very, very, very 
hardcore experiences giving birth in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had a hard time, I guess, advocating for myself and I didn't take the responsibility of my body into my own, um, it, I didn't take it seriously enough to educate myself mm-hmm. um, initially with my first two births. Um, so with my third, I was actually able to successfully give birth at a midwife, um, a birthing facility with the midwife. And I was able to do it with no drugs. Um, And it was quite possibly the most exhilarating, fulfilling, just insane moment of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. I left the center after four hours and I went shopping at Target. Wow. (laughs) Because uh, let's face it, by the third one, you're like, ain't no thing, right? <laughs> um, but to be honest with you, with all of my accomplishments, that's really the one that's just given me so much confidence that I did not let the imposter syndrome sink in on that one. And that's pretty powerful to me. Yeah. I mean, you're a mom of three. Um, you know, you and I, before we click record and also like in our daily conversations, talk about your kiddos. Um, they're, they're all adorable. They all have great names. Love them. And they seem like just genuinely good humans being brought up just to be just very loving and empathetic. And, um, I always say that like, um, because like people that are kind of in my age bracket, I'm 31, um, and you know, people in their thirties or, you know, late twenties, thirties and whatever in my, I don't even know, like generation wide, like where it cuts off, but millennials for me, I feel like we're going to be make such great parents because we see the world in such a different way. And we're seeing kind of how our, what we, how we teach our children is going to impact a better world outside of it. Um, there's a lot of us on un, like undoing those kind of systemic things, like, but, but actually do undoing them because we know that like, we don't want to repeat it. And I think that's a really great thing for like a better and more empathetic community moving forward. Yeah. We're, we're practicing accountability and that has really birthed a generation of super empathetic kids. I mean, I can't imagine the type of empathy that comes out of kids who have like seen their fellow students be shot in in school and it's like Mm -hmm. they see it on their snapchat all the time it's it's just the the amount of empathy that must come out of those kids is just going to change the world i really honestly believe that i'm so empowered by these kids they're amazing yeah, I'm excited to kind of see like what's next in the world. I've just I've just seen so many cool things come out of like my friends' kids. You know, I don't know if it's pandemic yeah. and and just wholesomeness, but there's just this beautiful whimsy that I've seen, and um, and I think that like you know, millennials or or you know even just like my generation or whatever, I feel like we're raising our kids to be more empathetic, more woke, not racist, like creative, um, you know, cause my generation, my parents told me all the time how special I was. You're, you're special, you're unique, you're special, you're unique. And when you tell a kid that, that you're, they're great, you can do anything. Everyone gets a participation medal, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like, um, you never really feel like you earn anything because you just don't really know what you, what's, what you're capable of having. If everyone's special and unique, then what makes you special and unique? Cause they're special and unique wow. too, right? So you never really yeah. get to figure out like what makes you who you are. And I think like 
a lot of my imposter syndrome and I think like a lot of my depression and my feelings of self-worth and worthiness have been deeply ingrained by this mantra of you're special and you're unique. Everyone's special and unique. You know, you're the best, you're special, you're unique. And I think for me, I, I did a lot of soul searching to figure out exactly what makes me who I am. And I, I think I spent a lot of my twenties throwing that aside and being like, I won't act my, I won't act like myself. So I think like a lot of my imposter syndrome came from like wanting to fit in at work or Mm -hmm. wanting to fit in in college or wanting to fit in in high school or wanting to fit in like in my career. And the conclusion I've started to come to, and I kind of mentioned this to you, is that if you're not in a place where you're meant to fit and be similar to what you're saying about like giving birth at a hospital, like that didn't fit you right? Like that, like something right. was telling you, like, I don't want to do that again. Um, right. Very and, much but wait, so. but you chose to listen that, that third time. So I think yeah. like when we're in a place where we're not meant to be, whether it's a career or a job or a relationship or a friendship, um, sometimes we might feel, um, this kind of feeling of like listlessness or, uh, anxiety or panic or malaise. And I think it's because we're not living our truth. We're not listening to like what's really our soul is really saying. Oh, yes. I, um, the way that that relates to me um, is that I always have this very, very strong calling to feel a value in the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so I did, um, I did a lot of work in the automotive industry and I did really, really, really well for myself at some points. And I was making a lot of money and I just felt this sense that it just wasn't enough for some reason. And the way that I conquered that was back in 2015, um, Texas was flooding, flooding, flooding. And the community that I lived in was just on on fire with floods okay it was just everywhere and everyone was affected by it so we started raising money for the community which is something you do a lot in texas because there's not a lot of help from the government i mean straight mm-hmm. up that's just the truth there's not a lot of great health care so when kids get sick with cancer you raise money for them and that's just a very very common um common occurrence there um, so I started raising money and, and I was really, really getting a sense of fulfillment out of it. And I completed that project and I had done other, um, other volunteer projects, but this one was just very special to me. Central Texas is just the mo- one of the most magical places on, on the face of the planet. And um, when your neighbors get wiped out like that, you want, you want to help. You can't do anything but not help. Um, and that fulfilled me in a lot of ways. So I feel like, you know, that, that imposter syndrome sometimes holds you back to, from what you're actually called to, like you're saying, um, that's such a valid point. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. Um, similar to you, like I, I mentioned, I, I, I know my listeners have heard me talk about, oh, I got laid off and all of that. And I've talked about it enough times where I've said, you know, I flew, I was, I was closest to the sun. I had on paper everything that you would want. And I would still feel like I wasn't being valued and that your society tells you that that is monetary. As a woman, right. it, it's monetary. Absolutely. But what I'm realizing is that I've never felt better 
than right now here in this moment. Do I feel frustrated? Oh, fuck yeah. Like I feel frustrated that I can't go and do a lot of things. I'm, but everyone's in that boat right now with me. So it's fine and I'll deal with it. But I also feel this sense of um, being able to use my voice for good, volunteering on the board of directors that I sit on, the people I get to speak with, the fact that this podcast is touching people in a way, people are relating to it. Um, I'm right. feeling like monetarily, I'm not in the spot that I was, but I'm working on things that I'm passionate about. And so I feel a sense of fulfillment that was missing in my job. Right. It's very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've kind of talked about imposter syndrome. We could go into it a million different ways um, just because you might <laughs> speak all the time. But uh, we, we're coming to the part of the episode that is my favorite part. Um, I love learning about my guests, kind of what makes them tick, what makes them energized. Um, so what is one or, a, or, excuse me, one or a few things that you're fanatical about and why? And for me currently, I am fanatical, and I'm only saying this because their album's about to come out, and I pre-ordered it on vinyl. I'm really stoked <laughs> that the Dixie Chicks dropped Dixie and they're just the chicks oh, now and they're back and better than ever. Badass. Oh, so they're badass. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'll just let you hop on into it. What are, what are you obsessed with? Okay. Um, a few things that I'm currently obsessed with, um, obviously run the jewels. I love that. Oh my God. They're just out of control right now and so appropriate um well I can't talk about music without talking about another beautiful gift that the quarantine has given me and that is I'm a huge huge hip-hop fan mm -hmm. um the gifts of quarantine has been the most underrated rapper of his generation Mr. Mac Miller yeah he is just out of this world I'm just in love. And he had so much music to give. So it's just given me six months worth of just happiness. Sometimes I have to live. Um, the internet is literally so toxic to me that I just go to, I go to his YouTube channel and I just live in his comment section for a while because it's so positive. Yeah. <laughs> People love him so much. It's just, he's been a gift. Um, and other than that, I would say I'm, very fanatical about my causes um and i'm very fanatical about my children um they are just the greatest blessing to me they give me so much fulfillment yeah um, yeah i could go on forever about them but i won't <laughs> i i love that and i think like music is so therapeutic right now um yes because like it's 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 well i think it's therapeutic in many ways right now i'm really liking that just because we can't like monetize and go to concerts and all of that that like people are still creating finding ways to create produce and like get music and television and all of that into our hands um yes. and last night i was feeling just like bleh. like i was i couldn't find anything i wanted to watch on netflix like we'd started a couple of shows and it was just like blah and then someone yeah. told me that you should we should watch this movie called palm springs on hulu and i took it off <laughs> And it's, it's written by, I want to say, I don't know if it's written by Andy Samberg, but it's definitely produced by The Lonely Planet. And it's essentially a, uh, the same premise kind of of Groundhog Day where there's like a rift in the time continuum, but it's just 
so well done that for us, like just the hour and a half that this movie ran, I forgot that I was like frustrated that I couldn't find anything that like sucked me in. And then I was like, oh. kind of sad towards the end of it. Cause I was like, dang, this was really good. I need more of this. It, yes, it breathed life into you. Um, I, I've had the same experience with, um, the last man on earth. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you watch that one with Will Forte? Uh, yes. And I actually, I fell off on it because I think like I had Hulu with the commercials at the time. And I was just like, God, I see this one mesothelioma commercial one more time. I'm going to like blow my brains out. (laughs) Well, they just like, well, don't worry because they just randomly canceled it with the most random like cliffhanger ending. Like really favorite oh. show i was so freaking bitter you have no yeah idea how bitter i, I think i'm like on the second season like but to anybody who's listening yeah. if you haven't seen this show it's about a virus ending the world and it could not be more appropriate and it's about all the ridiculous things that you would do if you were like some of the last survivors of whatever virus decides to wipe us out yeah, it is a really good show, and it also has my fav- one of my favorite people, Christian Schall. Uh, Christian oh, Schall. She's brilliant. Yeah, she's from uh, where I kind of grew up, super close by. I want to say she's from Mead, which is, or Brighton or something. Like, I'm sorry. Sorry to all my listeners that are from high school. <laughs> Don't at me. Um, but she's actually from there, and I'm, she's just she's a delight, and she's also the voice of Louise on Bob's Burgers. And right. I, just, I just really adore her, but I just like think that that was just like such a perfect role for her because she's always a quirky person, but like they made her kind of like a heroine and like a martyr and like all these like really great things in the show. And I just like, yes. I just love that for her. So it's, it's, it's an absolute delight. Yeah. So we've touched on some things we love and fanatical about, and now we'll go on to unpopular opinions you have and why. Um, my deepest, most ingrained and popular opinion and I've actually found that a lot of people agree with it. Um, but my, I always say cantaloupe is trash. Why are you bringing your plus one cousin honeydew to the fruit salad party? No one wanted it. <laughs> um, please exit out oh. of the gift shop. Well, um, I would like to say that my most unpopular opinion to you then, ma'am, is cantaloupe is delightful. And <laughs> don't eat it so that I can have all of it from our local Albertsons, fam. <laughs> yeah um I'm I'm I always it's funny because like if I have a fruit salad Scott my husband will be just like he'll eat like the melon out of it and he's like here you go and I get like the berries <laughs> <laughs> oh that is how Karen of you um well it's because like when I was a kid my mom would like make me eat it all the time she put salt over it and it, she would just I don't know my mom like loved melon like cantaloupe and I, she would always buy it like not when it was in season because we're in Minnesota and she would just it just never had any flavor it tasted it tasted like being strangled by a very weak person to me like as if it, the flavor to, to me of cantaloupe the cantaloupe she would buy in particular would be like you're eating a melon, but it's screaming what it is from the other room. So it's just like this (laughs) flavor that's like really weird, but I've gotten better about it. If it's ripe, it's okay. It's just a weird flavor because like she put salt on it or lime. Um, But for the most part, I know that like melon's just going to like give me a bad time. So I just avoid it. (laughs) Well, I guess my other... um... Un- super unpopular opinion would be also food related and let me please first disclose that um i am quite possibly the biggest fan of mexican food i don't care if it's from california if it's from texas i'm gonna eat it and i'm gonna eat all of it so 
just know that before I say uh, F-U-C-K cilantro. I do not, I do not approve. 10 out of 10 don't recommend. It, it is a flavor for some people. It's just a gene. Like uh, it's weird because I, sometimes cilantro does actually taste soapy to me and other times it doesn't. So it's very weird. It's almost like I'm sitting on the edge. I heard that your taste buds reset like every few years or whatever. Yes, yes. However, um, I still am okay with cilantro, but I don't, I find myself not buying it as often because I have so many friends that have that gene and it's soapy. So I'm, I, I don't really like, I'm not a huge person to like purchase it anymore. Not to mention every time I purchase it, it's like always half rotted. And I'm like, what is happening at my local Albertsons? Like, um, <laughs> like, like, why are we over misting you? But um, yeah, no, that is not, that is not uncommon. I totally agree. And I've had, even had one of my friends, she said like, if she, she can like tell even if like it was like in the broth. She's like, I knew it was in there. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's totally fine. Your other one that you wrote down just cracks me up. Um, because uh, Drake to me will always oh. be Jimmy in a chair. <laughs> <laughs> I have okay, so I grew up in the in the Pac and the Dre and the Snoop era. So street cred means a whole lot to me. And I grew up watching Degrassi too. And Um, <laughs> so, uh, my kid even watches Degrassi and then this kid just comes out and, you know, he's been practicing his skills on Degrassi. So I already saw the come up and it was on a movie set, dude. <laughs> like, you, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time grasping it and I'll, I'll not take away from the fact that it's very catchy, but yeah. I, I have, I have a tendency to need my music to, to mean a little more to me. Yeah, I totally uh, feel you there because it's funny because um, I used to like, I didn't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I had the channel that Degrassi used to be on, on like the Disney X or plus or whatever. I used to have this yeah. friend Danielle and I go to her house for sleepovers like, and, or we, I, we had like Degrassi nights cause we loved it. But yeah, like um, Jimmy is the character that uh, Drake, which is Aubrey Graham is his name plays. Right. Um, and so first of all, uh, Drake is Canadian. Um, the show is about Canadian teens, and they were edgy as fuck. And uh, yes, they were progressive. But it was the reboot. It was the reboot of the original, which like started in the '80s or whatever, or in the early '90s or whatever. Um, and so, right, right. Uh, so I agree. I agree with Rachel there. Um, I do think he's catchy and all of that, but I think of um, you know the song where it's like started from the bottom, now we're here. But I'm always in my head. I hear it. <laughs> I hear it as started on Degrassi in a wheelchair. Oh my god! <laughs> so we totally aligned on those thoughts. Oh, excuse, <laughs> excuse my little guy in the background. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready if you would like to You're good. We're, well, we're coming towards, you know, the end, so I always like to ask um, kind of a, a, a number of things. That's so cute. Oh. So cute. Um, so what is currently making you happy in the world, given the pandemic? Um, I think the things that are really making me the most happy now would be all of the movement that's been made. So, you know, we've talked about the qualms and kind of the setbacks we feel with people kind of falling off, but meeting people like you in the community. Um, I've been really fortunate to meet a lot of cool people in the community. 
um, who are very, very passionate about bringing the life back um, to this area. And that's in a very, very, like we've already talked about, such a special area. Um, and so that's what's really making me happy. And, and, and like you said earlier, you know, you didn't feel like you had been a, a part of your community. Like, I think as Americans, that is something that we crave because we get that idea of the American dream and it's loving your neighbor and for me. And so that's really, I think one of the one, that's been one of the most impactful things on me. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I definitely agree with that. And I think, um, yeah, I agreed. Like we, we do live in a really special community and given the movement and all of the progression on it, I mean, it's a very exciting time to kind of see change, um, change abruptly. Like, you know, even things that people have been advocating or asking for for years are now suddenly being given to them, which is amazing that like, it's like, okay, well, this movement's still going. And as long as we're still loud and fighting and, and holding people accountable for what they're doing, then it's going to keep snowballing and that is the best um the best thing that can happen right now because it's not going away yeah absolutely and it's not going away and i think that a lot of people need to start owning their accountability and responsibility to their neighbor and to getting to know them and getting to understand why if they're not um if they're not doing what they should be doing and that's not just being you can't just not be racist. You have to be actively anti-racist if we want to honestly make a change. And so if I was going to say, um, if I was going to leave my thoughts with anyone, it would just be, you know, to my fellow white ally, I hope, <laughs> you know, the idea of what are we going to do to end our legacy of violence? Yeah. Because many of us want to say well what about black on black crime for anyone with that argument i just would implore you to research because there's only like two ideas as to why blm shouldn't matter and one of those is black on black crime and the other one is obviously white fragility <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah um and i love that you're yeah i love that you're leaving some parting words but i'll even um tease those out a little more is there anything i always give my guests the opportunity is there anything that you'd like to promote using my platform as you know uh as its launching pad um well i would just want to promote um a sense of peace um here comes my little guy again I'm probably uh, wanting to emit all that peace right into my household where my children are currently <laughs> melting down. <laughs> oh, they, they currently are being placated with fudge popsicles. They're very happy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Justice and peace should be promoted at all times. And um, Rachel, I have no justice, so no peace, no justice, no peace. <laughs> I have so appreciated getting to know you. I've appreciated being able to tell your story with my listeners. Um, and I'm just really happy that you took the time to speak with me today. Um, and so to my listeners, you know, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you're interested in becoming a guest, you can email me. The email is PDKMO, standing for Please Don't Kick Me Out, acronym pdkmopodcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, share. And Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time out of your hot afternoon in your lovely little backyard tent to speak <laughs> with me. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and we will talk soon. Thank you so much. You've been, it's been a delight. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Take care. <laughs> All right. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this bonus episode featuring my friend Rachel. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, as always, I'm going to put information in the description of this podcast um, and ways that you can give back and help support and amplify the movement currently. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but of course, um, ways that you can help right now is supporting Black businesses, supporting Black artists, um, you know, donating to uh, Black movements and all of that just to help right now. And if you see something racist that you don't agree with, um, gently try to educate. But just a reminder and something that I've learned is that you don't have to have that toxicity. You don't need to see it. Um, So you have every right to remove someone that has horrific, oppressing, and systemically racist views. So that's just my two pieces of advice there. And um, yeah, I hope that everyone has a good weekend. And if you are at these protests, please be safe. Um, And as always, wear your mask or stay the fuck home. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.